I am so excited to be here today. I've been waiting for this moment for a few months now. Um, I had a friend ask me, so are you going to teach us something we've never learned before? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> we're actually, we're actually going to talk today about a lot of things that many of us in this room are very familiar with, but it's on purpose and it's for a reason, and I am very excited. So I'm going to pray for us to start. God, I just pause and acknowledge that you are actively pursuing each one of us in this room in very unique and personal as well as corporate and together ways. And what I have to say this morning is so small in comparison to how you are moving already. But what an honor and what a joy to be here with these people who I care for so deeply and who you care for infinitely more. So prepare us, soften our hearts this morning, open our minds, open us to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going pretty straight to scripture this morning. We're going to Exodus, and we're talking about the Israelites. Um, if you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, you know that the Israelites were in slavery for 400 years, in brutal oppression. And also know that God sent Moses and Aaron. They were delivered out of slavery. Many miraculous signs happened. And then they traveled through the Red Sea, more and more miracles, and they land in the desert. And they are at the base of Mount Sinai months since they've been freed, so it's pretty fresh. All the miracles are very fresh in their minds. They have seen God's presence on the mountain. He's been closer <laughs> than many points in history to this group of people. And so now Moses has gone up to the mountain to talk with God. He's actually gone up a few times, and the people have been very aware of God's presence there with them. And that lands us in Exodus 32. Do we open our Bibles anymore? If you brought your Bible, open to Exodus 32. It'll be up on the screen as well. So Moses has been up here for 40 days now. And the people say, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold rings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and rings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are our gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Do we have a picture of a golden calf? There he is. So they fashioned this calf out of what had to have been lots of rings and earrings. And they didn't bow down to a new god when they bowed down to this calf. They said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Who brought them out of Egypt? It was Yahweh, and he had made himself very clear to them. They knew that it was him. 
But Yahweh was busy, and he was up on the mountain, and Moses was 40 days, and they were in the desert, and they didn't like their manna. (laughs) So they replicated what they wanted to be Yahweh. And it seems so primitive. I think that we like to relegate the Israelites' behavior to just a really primitive nature. Like, (laughs) we would never do such a thing. That's so stupid. We don't bow down to golden calves. Uh, but the calf, is, the calf is a little bit irrelevant. It's contextual. They were in their culture. They were used to idol worship. But I want to argue that we do the same thing today. And that the Israelites, they didn't make a false image of a false god. They made a false image of the true God. And we are the same. If we're honest... We hate waiting on God. We're really uncomfortable with our deep hunger for God, especially when he seems absent and he's not down here with us. We hate the unfamiliar and uncharted territory. We really hate when we don't have control. Ultimately, we hate the desert, just like they did. We squirm. (laughs) Why is he so long in coming down? So we create solutions of our own still today. And not only do we create solutions of our own, sometimes those solutions actually look like we'd rather go back to slavery. Because slavery isn't just slavery. Slavery is what we know. And we can make our own image of God. If it means that we get something right in front of us, something familiar, something we can hold on to, something we understand, we're very happy to do it. We get it right now. And it's not just individuals that do this. It's not just selfish, little, squirmy individuals. Israelites did it in community. I mean, that's so many rings. (laughs) They did it together. That's so many individuals coming together and chipping in toward this one goal. Because what is inside of us inevitably, good or bad, is going to transmit to the people around us. And whatever's inside of us, it can be anything. It can be anything. It can be good. It can be bad. But we're going to find people. We're going to find people that are like-minded, that have the same passions, the same tendencies, and we cluster together. So like us in this room, we're church people, and we found some, some church people, and we've cloistered together. And I know that the church's reputation has gone through the ringer lately, and there might not be many of us left that think, like, church people are good people. (laughs) But I do feel like there's a subconscious part of us that... I mean, we go to church. We're good. we um, We have a badge that says we don't have any golden calves. And at least we're cloistered around the same things and around a good thing. And we kind of think we're at the top of the worship totem pole. (laughs) And that's so not true. By no means am I bagging on church attenders. I am one. I've spent my whole childhood and adult life in a church, and I've built my life around it. But what I want to say is the physical act of being in this room of coming here every week doesn't give you an automatic badge. 
of being a Jesus follower who doesn't create false images of God. So, like I said, today is not, I'm not going to teach you anything brand sparkly new. What I want for today, what my heart is for today, and what I feel like God's heart for us today is about checking in with what is familiar. And it's about pausing and taking an inventory of where we actually are. Because in this place, we talk a lot about allegiance to Jesus. A lot. Ryan says that all the time. (laughs) And allegiance is loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm starting to feel like sometimes it takes years for me to actually like wake up to an idea. I hear it every single week and I agree with it and it makes me feel good. And, and then one day it's like, wait, am I actually allegiant to Jesus? <laughs> I've been hearing this phrase and believing in this concept for years but does my life actually line up with that? And it's kind of a scary thing to admit because I've oriented my entire life around it. And now I'm questioning, have I really been allegiant? But apprenticeship means worshiping the true image of the true God with our lives. And the true God is Jesus, like Ryan said in Hebrews 1. He's the exact representation of God. So I want to ask, what do we think about apprenticeship to Jesus? Do you feel like your life is actually oriented in that direction? Do you even think that being a Christian means following him and nothing else? These sound like silly questions. (laughs) I want to say it's an automatic yes. Do you even agree that it's necessary to apprentice Jesus, to be subordinate to him? I have (laughs) kind of a sad, funny story. I was out to dinner with someone that I loved dearly a couple months ago. We're eating our Indian food, and he was sharing with me about his time at Denver Seminary. He's a professing Christian. He went to Denver Seminary about a decade ago, and he said, gosh, it just, it really changed my life. So I'm asking him questions. And he starts going on and on about grace and how really he's read the whole Bible and really grace is all that matters. (laughs) And I'm like, "Mm, okay, okay, grace is good. I like grace. Um, But I end up asking him, so where does Jesus fit in all of this? And he paused and he said, I really don't think I need Jesus. I think I just need grace and the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to laugh a little. I didn't laugh. <laughs> um, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, buddy, you are, you are a bit off. <laughs> but as I um, was horrified by that statement, I started thinking about it more. My next phase of thought was, well, that's really kind of a theology that's prominent in the American church. And um, I love to write things off as the church's problem (laughs) and and forget that I'm actually part of the church. Um, It's just a really licentious theology. Like, if you have grace, 
That's great. And it's true. We have grace. God's love is never off the table. So true. And the Holy Spirit's so fun. You get to be connected to the spirit world. (laughs) But as I'm writing this theology off as like the American church's problem, I really had a terrifying thought like, I think I have lived my life, a lot of my life, this way. But it's, it's a part truth, right? It's missing the actual center of truth. It's a dangerous path to be on. And I'm not proud to say I think it's a path that I have been on. And when you pick this uh, theology apart, it's really a theology of allegiance to me. Everything is subordinate to me. And maybe you identify with this theology and maybe you don't. It's kind of irrelevant. But the point is, you can worship anything. You can go to the cafeteria of spirituality and you can pick anything and you can slap Christian on it. And you can go to church and you can do good things. (laughs) And there's so many good things to pick from, but they aren't the thing. But we want tangible things when God doesn't feel present. We as Christians want tangible things when God doesn't feel present. We want something to hold on to, something to identify with. And that's human nature. But I think those of us in this room, we know that Jesus is saying, hold on to me. We know it. We know that. We know the right answer. We like put it on signs and we sing songs about it every week and we read it in scripture. We know it. And that's the scary part is that we know it. But there's a danger in not actually following through on that. I think there are two dangers. The first danger, we are harming ourselves because we all know what it's like to break a promise. It just... You do it one time, especially a promise to yourself, like, I'm going to start that diet on Monday, and then Tuesday comes along. (laughs) And then a year later, you're like, I'm going to start that on Monday. (laughs) And the more times you break it, the easier it is. And it creates a cognitive, emotional, behavioral dissonance. And really, you become a hypocrite. And slowly, we can evolve into religious people. Because religion is so easy to hold on to. It's so graspable. It's so black and white. We love traditions. I know what to do. I know how to show up. I know the right answer. But there's a group of people like that in Scripture. And we can become just like them, the Pharisees. But... If we don't die to ourselves and submit, there's a huge gap. And I want to talk about dying to ourselves. That's a really uh, churchy term. Submitting is a really churchy term, and for good reason. They're great terms, but they carry a lot of baggage. I think that we as humans think if we really follow Jesus, he wants to sterilize us. And he would love if we were all just monks. He would love if we were all just really good robots with no personality that messes up the mix. And I want to say that is a lie from the pit of hell. And I am afraid of it too. I fear that if I actually bow down 
He's going to rewrite me to the point that me isn't there anymore. I don't know why that's making me cry. But what I want to say and what I believe and what I know to be true, even though I'm scared sometimes that maybe it won't pan out, is that when you follow Jesus, you are aligning yourself with the most human way. How he created you is not going to be lost. It's not going to be bleached out. You will be the most human version of yourself. Okay. Second danger. The first one, we're harming ourselves when there's this disconnect from what we say and what we actually do. The second danger is we're harming our communities. I might have a little quippy takeaway for you guys. It's this. What we don't transform, we transmit. Do we have it up here? What we don't transform, we transmit. I love this phrase <laughs> because it inspires me to keep bringing to the surface what is ugly in me. And the first thing I think of is my kids. I don't want to pass them down. I don't want to hand them a watered-down religious traditional faith. And I will. If that's, if that's the pattern that I ingrain in myself, I will hand that on to them. And for those of us that don't have kids, we will hand that on to our communities. We just will. <laughs> like, we cannot give something that we don't have. If we haven't actually let the rubber hit the road, we can't inspire others to do what we haven't done. So what we are putting in, or what we're swimming in, is transforming us. What we're worshiping is forming us. And what is formed within us will create form around us. It just will. If you think that you are isolated, if you think what you put in, the choices you make, how you live are only affecting you, you're swimming in individualism, which is our culture, and it's off base. And if you don't remember, we are breathing the air of empire. There are so many factors swimming up against us. And our hearts have the same bend as the Israelites. So... What I want to say is, I don't want restoration to be a place that is so prideful and presumptuous to think that if we don't keep realigning our hearts toward Jesus, that we won't fall, <laughs> that we won't do what every other faith community throughout all of history, starting with Adam, that we won't mess it up, that we won't get off base, that we won't create an image of God that is not actually God. Because it's entirely possible to come here every week and ride that wave of teaching, and we're spoiled. <laughs> we have such good teaching, and I've ridden that wave for many years. It's so good. It's so intelligent. It's so well taught. And we love that, but it's not enough. So this morning, I'm inviting us to be honest about where we actually are, not where we think that we are or think that we should be. Where are you actually in your views of apprenticeship? We're going to take some time in a minute um, to reflect on that. And we're not 
going to gather in groups like we did last week, but we are going to have a similar um, reflection time. And it's just, it's just an open time to take pause and to take note of where you are. Because I don't think that any relationship can go on if there's not honesty on the table. And maybe this is really uncomfortable for you, or maybe you're still in a place where you think like, yeah, duh, I'm apprenticing Jesus. And that's great. But even so, he's calling you to something deeper. He's calling you to more intimate relationship with him. Um, And it might be important this morning to have a time of confession and repentance. More church words. But confession is just making an agreement with what's real and saying it. And there's no, there doesn't have to be shame in it. We don't have to go into a dark room with like a shrouded stranger and like say our deepest, darkest secrets. It's just agreeing with this is what is real and I'm going to say what's real. And repentance is just seeing a, a truer way, a better way, and, and turning that way. They don't have to be these big, huge, like, it's a big deal, but it's kind of not a big deal. Like, let's just be real and be honest, because that's the only way to actually grow, to actually move forward, to actually deepen in relationship. So, there's a lot more I want to say. I think I'm going to leave it at that, though. I want to encourage us, as we do go into a time of reflection, that for those of us that are perfectionists like I am, um, it's really easy to feel like, geez, I've been doing this for so long, and I just keep missing it. What a piece of crap. Why can't I? Why, can't, why don't I get it? I've been hearing this truth for so long. Why is it not clicking? Why am I not better? Why am I not where I want to be? No condemnation. That's not the Spirit of God speaking to you at all. (laughs) That's your own humanity speaking to you. And I also want to say, what if you're not in a place where you are apprenticing him, following him, and what if you don't want to be right now? Uh, I feel like from up here I should be saying, like, do it, just do it. It's the best way. (laughs) I can't say that. What if you're not? I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're planted in this community. But if you are not, why don't we call a spade a spade? And why don't you just come honestly and come to this place questioning and come to this place with your doubts? I'm following Jesus. I love Jesus. Not perfectly, of course. I have doubts. Like, if this can't be a place where we come and bring our doubts, then why are we even here? (laughs) So, we are going to go to a time of reflection now. Trent's going to come up and play some music instrumentally. And it's really an open time. I had a list of, if you want to go deeper in apprenticing, here are some tools, here are some practices, and I'm not going to share them with you because I want to leave this time open to the Holy Spirit. Like if there, he will speak to you. 
if there is something on your mind that you can't get out of your mind, what if that's the Holy Spirit telling you, move that direction? Um, if there's a person on your mind, what if that's the Holy Spirit telling you, approach that person? But I want to spend this time openly uh, for you to take an inventory of where are you at with the idea of apprenticeship? And there's no wrong answer, but let's be honest as we move forward. Uh, so Trent's going to play. There's some papers. You can open up your notes app. There's some journalers here that are always prepared. Um, but take advantage of this time and write down anything, anything that comes to you. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> but let's spend this time reflecting. And then Trent's going to, after five or ten minutes, which is going to feel too long to some of you and too short to some of you, but that's how it's going to be. Um, after that time, he's going to sing a song I haven't been able to get off my heart lately. It's a beautiful song. Um, and I invite you to be in that space honestly as well. If you want to worship, if you want to stand up and sing, that's great. If you want to just let it wash over you, that's great as well. But we're going to go into a time of reflection. Let me pray for us. God, help us to take advantage of this moment and pay attention to any resistance that is inside of us, any guilt that is inside of us. Please bring to mind what needs to be brought to mind and help us to lean on one another. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I forgot to say also that when he sings that song, we're going to have people up here available. If you'd like to be prayed for, if you'd like to share something, it's a powerful thing to actually move your body and speak out words. It's a powerful mode of, tra of transformation. So that is open as well.